0: Hi everyone, this is the Shopstool Podcast, episode 11 of season 3. As always, I'm going to start by introducing my two co-hosts. Joey, how's it going?
1: I'm good. I'm very good tonight. Nice. Thanks, Robin.
0: That's good. And Brian, how are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. You? Good. Good. Yeah, I'm not too bad. Not too bad. Um, and my name is Robin. Welcome to the show, everyone. So, we don't have a guest tonight. So we're going to be able to talk about what we are doing, which is, uh, <laughs> it feels like in a while. Man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's been ages since we've talked about uh, things that are going on. And um, we're going to start with um, a little bit of, uh, a de- de- a bit of a development, a bit of business um, around the show. Uh, we recently had someone contact us and they wanted to uh, donate some money to us. It's one of one of our listeners um, contacted us out of the blue and said asked if he could d- donate some money. Really nice gesture, and it was a ma- an amazing thing to do. And in the process of that, we kind of got to thinking that this might be something that we will make available publicly. So the idea being that if there's anyone who wants to donate to the show, they can, and in all of that money. That comes into the show. Well, since you go back into the show, so whether that's buying gear, um, maybe getting some really high-profile guests on that are going to charge us one day. Um, <laughs> yeah, sure. Anything, anything like that. All the money is going to go back into the show.
1: A so, box of beers. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, let's buy beer so, so yeah. we can get through the show.
0: <laughs> so it's we're going to we're going to make this this link um public so it's a paypal link it's one of those ones where you can go in and just and add some uh credit card details and and donate like that what what i'm going to do is put that link onto my website where we host the show so if you go to robinlewismakes.com there'll be a link to the shop Store podcast and somewhere in there will be that donation link so we wanted. You, can stick a,
2: it in, you can probably stick it in the notes section in the podcast as well. can
0: you? Yeah, that's probably yeah. So it'll yeah. go in there as well. Yeah. So we've we've thought about this for a, a good couple of weeks, and we've just decided to make it public. So, um, uh, yeah, if if there's anyone out there who wants to donate, it's there. And um, as I say, we can we can put some some money back into the show and improve it as we go.
2: The other thing, Robin, like we'd spoken back and forth on whether do patreon and stuff because obviously a lot of podcasts Mm. do patreon and i think the three of us were in agreement that we didn't really like the model of it Mm. in terms of people signing up forgetting they've signed up and the money keeps coming out of their account so the way you've set it up with paypal if somebody literally wants to give us five dollars to buy us a coffee or a beer like they can do it and it can just be a one-off donation just to say thanks for putting the effort into the show so Yeah, no long-term commitments and there will never be any anything behind a paywall in this show because we don't have the (laughs)
1: time to put up a paywall yeah that's right (laughs) yeah paywall costs too much
0: (laughs) (laughs) so yeah it is the idea is that it's a a once-off thing so there is no yeah locking you into it yep all right cool yeah so if you go to robinlewismakes.com uh that link will be there all right anything else you guys want to add to that or have we covered it off
1: uh, yeah, It's just no obligation. It's like if someone feels the need to uh, throw money into the abyss, then I will catch it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> when did we become the abyss? I'd like
1: to say this, there is some
0: value
2: to this show. Okay, <laughs> yeah. sure. I take that back. Joey can be the abyss. Yeah, all right.
0: Yeah. Talking about throwing money around, Joey, has there been any developments on, <laughs> on, your, on your house? Is it good news? Oh, years? my God.
1: Well, okay, yeah, so the house sold um we so what did i say last time we we had a place that we had put an offer on but we lost it because our, our place yep. hadn't sold um so we have now got our house under contract um it seems that everyone has um, um conditions these days Is all sorts of conditions about house sales and so typically it's everyone's waiting to sell the house that they're trying to sell to get the money to buy the house that you're trying to sell. Um, so this kind of might land into the whole situation with lockdown because Aucklanders, or well, all New Zealanders, lockdown at the moment, which is just outrageous. But um, Yeah, welcome to lockdown, Joey. Jeez, it's not like it's not, it's not my first radio, but geez, it's, <laughs> it's not as fun as the first time. Didn't. I, I think did you'd be doing it again.
2: I did listen to uh, Jacinda's press conference yesterday when the lockdown extension was announced, and a journalist asked her, Are you worried that New Zealanders might be facing uh, lockdown fatigue? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, 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 <laughs> Day 203.
1: <203." laughs> yeah. yeah. Inhale. Yeah. so we obviously can't go out and about looking for houses but we actually bought a house without seeing it Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so um you know we t- saw pictures and we talked a pretty good uh, amount of time to the agent is
2: it in the so same area to the one that you previously it's a had little
1: it's a little further north uh, than we had been looking at but it's mm-hmm. actually exactly what we want um like a two hectare block with a pond and trees and um, uh, a couple of sheds already on there not big enough for me but there's buildings which we will renovate and there's a house and um, so we um, are just waiting until we can actually get there lawyers are doing lawyery things but we still obviously need so we need to sell our house which is under contract but those people can't buy it until they sell their house and everyone's waiting on builders reports to finish off their due diligence for their house sales and so everything's just at a standstill because we can't go anywhere and do anything so um there's literally nothing
2: in your level of lockdown like you cannot leave the house
1: unless you go to the supermarket yeah go to the supermarket Healthcare. and that's about it you can right. exercise we take the kids out around the block. Yep. Um, so kind of luckily for me I just like the week before moved into the small house behind my workshop. Oh, um, perfect. So we've got a 65 square meter little place. it's a bit cramped with four of us but um, it does the job so I can just carry on working. Um, however the week of lockdown, we were I had planned like every day we were doing an install that week and so it was just like I'm just full to the rafters. It's yeah. just uh, so I've got nowhere to do anything. Like I'm actually essentially just blocked in with cabinetry. <laughs> so, um it's a bit of a pain in the butt so that also meant i hadn't been paid for two weeks before as well mm-hmm. and and like it was my big pay week because i was going to install three or four jobs in the in the week and then anyway so mm-hmm. that all went, went out the window but um so i started making something just for me because i said stuff it i'm just gonna have some fun for the first week which has turned into two weeks and um
0: how much longer is it do they know?
1: Well, it's at least at least till next Tuesday, which is another week. Mm. Um, but looking at the case numbers, certainly in Auckland, they're going to tell us it's probably three or four weeks, I imagine. Um,
0: Where are you so, guys with your vaccinations?
1: Uh, yeah, it's pretty slow, although my mm. wife just got hers today uh, because she was like, oh, her um, for some reason, her doctor's somehow let her get it in earlier than she should have and she just got an email to say yeah hey, you're eligible and so she looked at the thing and, and and she said oh there's a slot available today i'll just go do it so cool. she went and did that and i'm officially eligible i think from tomorrow and i've no clue how to go about doing it
2: mm-hmm. but
1: i suppose i should look into that um people are getting vaccinated it seems like at mm. this stage it's a pretty good rate but just like you guys, well, I think in Australia, you guys have got some kind of target 80 or 90% and they're not saying that here. They're just saying they want everyone to be vaccinated and, um, you know, so who knows what that means for the future. I've got no clue. I don't really want this to turn into a COVID strategy um, <laughs> podcast.
2: But... I, think I, think... Corner. <laughs> yeah. Yeah,
0: I think we are October, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. That's, it's somewhere around October that we're supposed to have like a, a, a majority. It's right. so funny. I talked to my, my friends back in South Africa, and the, the, this whole pandemic, has there's been two, two ways of going about it. On the one hand, you've got the people who failed miserably in the beginning, or the countries that failed miserably in the beginning. They just couldn't get it together. Their numbers just went through the roof. Those are the countries that are suddenly all vaccinated. And then you've got yeah. Australia, who's gone the other way. We were so good, and now we're just yeah. the wheels are falling off. It's amazing. Yeah. No there's one's getting a, vaccinated.
2: There's obviously a comment on a certain prime minister in there somewhere. but <laughs> Yes. Yeah. yeah. I've got mine tomorrow, so... Excited
0: cool. about that. Right. Yep. So, yeah. other than pandemics, what's everyone working on? What 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 were you actually making, Joe?
1: Yeah. So I um, I've been interested. So the other day, just before lockdown, a guy came in. As happens like once a month, I'm um, moving house and I found this remo under the house. How much will you give me for it? And I was <laughs> like yeah god yeah all right and so he had a piece with him and it was a sawn and it was clean and i was like oh actually it's it's quite nice is it all like this he said yes turns out it's not all like that um anyway i gave him some money for it i paid him bloody i ended up paying a market rate which i shouldn't have um so anyway i spent 500 bucks on the stack of rimu which is reasonable and so i just, was like, r- just what remind me gonna- again
0: remu is the one that you can't buy anywhere because it's so not
1: really you, uh, you can restricted. actually for some reason mm-hmm. my um, supplier just told me maybe a month ago that they had now like just stocked up on Rimu there'd obviously been some trees being felled somewhere mm-hmm. okay. in the South Island and they now have a warehouse full of it so um, it is available for probably the next year I suppose I'll, I'll be able to get some yeah um, so I started thinking, what am I going to do with this three And I've been thinking about, so I had two inspirations. The first inspiration was, um, you know, in movies you always see in a safety deposit box and how it's like a drawer that slides out, but it's got a lid on it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and yep. the lid, the lid doesn't go all the way for some reason It's hinged in the middle or oh, yeah. th- two thirds back yeah. or something. So I like that, I don't know why, it's just something interesting about that kind of concept and I didn't know what I was going to do with it and then I started thinking about like an exoskeleton and I thought, so I've developed this like exoskeleton piece and I, I started out with the intention of it being like a showpiece or even possibly en- I might en- enter it into a competition type of whatever you call them, furniture making doodahs. Um, I still might. So I'm thinking, so I'm essentially I've just got a whole lot of sticks that form like the shape of a piece, but it's all like like a wire frame and everything's going to be exposed. So, um, is, so is
0: this the box itself or the cabinet yeah, like, the box I'm is going to sit in? Essentially
1: I'm making like a set of drawers sitting on a cabinet, but everything is like, what you see is like a wire frame. And so there's no panels. Everything's like the mm. outline of the thing. And so what I wanted to incorporate is that the drawers you would you would see those kind of that kind of drawer sitting inside a frame so you'd actually see all of the drawer like you you see it's like working parts and how it's sitting there and you can view it from both sides you could actually take the drawer out and put it in the other side so it's you can use it both so it's almost like a room divider or like it's got no front um has that has that been done before um well, the idea of a cabinet with no front has been done before. I know um, well, with, Anton, with no sides. Anton, and, and Anton Gurner did some ex- in the same vein, where he had drawers. I think that were accessible from both sides, and I think in his one you could actually see some of the drawer sides. I can't remember exactly. But it, it what, seems like such a
0: cool idea that I can't imagine. I've never thought of it. It's never come yeah. to mind. But now that you're saying it, I'm just thinking it's an amazing idea. Surely it's been done.
1: I don't know. Uh, it's a pain mm. in the ass because I was like, oh, it'll be re- really easy just to make lots of little sticks <laughs> <laughs> and put, join them together. <laughs> it's a pain in the butt. Um, and uh, so I wanted also to get a, away from a, th- a three-way mitre because that's the obvious thing. When you draw like a, a cube that's just made out of like a frame of a cube, Like, you know, what do you do in the corners? I was like, God, I really don't want to have to do a proper three-way miter because it's going to take me weeks to do it. Mm. Um, how many so drawers you thinking? Them. Uh going to have three drawers um, only because that's how many I copy and pasted when I drew it, and then that ended up being <laughs> the size of it. So I was like, well, that, that's what it's going to look like. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I'm, I'm into – I've got the frame done and trying to finish it. Of course, I've got no – finish so i have like poured all the dregs of stuff i've had and poured them into like one can and trying to see if it is going to go off <laughs>
0: <laughs> tentacle just creep cracked out of it because something's grown in there
1: <laughs> yeah um, i found some old polyurethane from a year ago and tried and brought it back to life and um hopefully that'll do the trick hmm. um so yeah it's going to be an interesting job so i've just started kind of thinking about how i'm going to construct the drawers and um That'll be my, something I'll get onto in the next few days. But yeah, it's going to be, so anyway, I'm using a mostly Rimu. I wanted it to be all out of Rimu and then I don't have enough of it. So I had to choose some other timber. You um, know, so I need to do something contrasting. I figured, and I found some walnut, had some walnut and I, uh, and I was going to ebonize it. And then when I actually made the pieces that were going to be walnut they're actually i think they're going to be dark enough Mm. because i really don't like the idea of putting all the effort i've done into the joinery and then ebonizing it and not seeing any part of that joinery it's just hidden even though it might look more kind of stunning i suppose to the eye i'd rather it be a little bit more technical when you if someone were to view it they could actually see what's going on with Mm. the joinery if it's at least just clear coated so um yeah, i a bit a little annoyed because I was, I was thinking about um, Brian talking about using native timbers and um, I was like, right, I'm going to do something out of native timber and then I had to use bloody walnut because that's all I had <laughs> to, to make up the difference. <laughs> anyway, yeah. that's
0: mostly removed. Brian, what have you been working
2: on? I've been, I managed to get a big install done just before lockdown um and then i was working on my tambour cabinet oh yes there were some pictures pretty well on on um instagram yeah. yeah so that's come on pretty fast um yeah blackwood's really really nice like i, I think i said before i'd only really worked with small pieces i've made a couple of serving boards out of it but i'd never done a big furniture piece and um, yeah, it's a lot easier to work than spotted gum or black butter. or Something it's, <laughs> it feels not that I'm not that I've ever really used walnut, but it feels like the Australian equivalent to walnut. Mm. Um, it's a bit more sort of buttery, um, but it's got quite a high resiny, waxy feel. So, sanding it, you got to have really sharp blades on your thicknesser, otherwise it just burns. Um, it sort of leaves a residue on it, so it still cuts really beautifully, but it'll leave like a. residue um but yeah that's come on pretty well how's the Um, how's
0: the um all the different tones because when we talked about it last you said it's quite heavily toned
2: yeah there's a lot of tone variation in blackwood i've picked it it's pretty consistent to what i've got and the ones where there's the biggest contrast will either be at the back on the base or the vertical fins which are inside the cabinet so yeah you're not going to see too much contrast in it and then for the doors I'm waiting for my um, Vigash veneer plywood to arrive which was being <laughs> custom pressed and God knows how long it's going to be before that arrives <laughs> was, I actually bought um I've been meaning to buy one for about um, five years I bought a vacuum press oh yeah um, cool one of the so hand pump ones or you no no the full the um the electric ones, the
1: electric baggy deal.
2: Yeah, so sort of I uh, put it out to the furniture maker group in Melbourne. Anybody had advice on where to buy one because the markup on them in Australia is crazy. Oh yeah. So yeah, I bought them from the nearest supplies online. I think they're called oh, yeah. American. Yep. And John even Woodworker. even with four hundred and thirty US dollars of shipping and three hundred dollars of GST and duty, it worked out cheaper <laughs> to get it from the states.
1: That's outrageous. Yeah, his stuff yeah. is really good, but mm. I find I I couldn't afford the, um, the outlay to buy those like his bags and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like I could find a vacuum press here, uh, sorry, a vacuum pump, and I could get hoses. But I ended, I had to get some fittings, and I wanted to get the bags from him. Yeah. But geez, the shipping on the bags I couldn't. It was like, ugh.
2: yeah. I think it was because I was the extra to get the to just send the pump it was like 360 bucks yeah and then to get the bags and I got some um, plastic mesh sent as well and that worked yeah. out at another 70 bucks so I think if you're going to do it in one big hit that's it makes sense up. because the yeah. full sheet like to do a 2,400 by 1,200 uh, bag to buy that in Australia I think was about 1,500 Aussie Jeez. dollars yeah they, they are expensive and that's the uh, that's the best that's the 30 mil um, yeah uh, polyurethane. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. I, I don't know what it's actually. A clear one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you well, know,
0: I, I say, oh wow, that's so expensive. I don't actually know the technology and the R and D that goes into it. So maybe it's actually not that expensive, but it just feels well, like
1: fifteen hundred dollars for a small vacuum, plastic it's a plastic bag in <laughs> <and> a vacuum. <laughs> <of it. laughs>
2: but um, in saying that, I'm actually I'm really excited for it to come because I I've started using. Um, veneers in a lot more like as I'm doing a bit more cabinetry than I've done before like wall hung cabinets and things which obviously require veneer plywood backs and things and for doing memory boxes and I'm constantly trying to make up these presses using coals and I'm worried about mm. getting the clamping pressure right and um yeah so I'm I'm really looking forward to that arriving
1: I think what so, I'm going to do cuz I if mine was easier to use I would use it way more often mm mm-hmm um and i say easy to use it's just a pain in the butt getting the bags out out and having it and and then it takes over the bench for the day yeah yeah um i think i will make room in the workshop and make a vacuum table yeah which may be something uh, you know about them you know how they work yeah yeah i've seen Um, them i think that would be the way to go like you essentially have like a full sheet 2.4 by 1200 sheet. And they have a plastic lid that comes down and it seals Holds on, and then too. you can just lay out your panels on that sheet. And because feeding, especially large pieces, feeding them into those bags without the veneer sliding and slipping with yep. the wet glue, um, as sure, yeah. a as a pain in the butt yeah. if you're by yourself as well. Um, and there's ways around it, but I think just a simple hinged lid, put this thing on the on the panel, you know, on the table, and shut the lid, hit go on the pump. Yeah. I think that's the way to go. And I think if I set something like that up in the new workshop, I will be much more likely to, to, to do a lot more veneer work. Yeah.
2: I ended up, I ended up buying, a s I bought a full sheet bag and I bought a small bag as well, like a 600, 400 bag or something just yeah. for doing... Because I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, if it's a massive bag and I'm just doing something small, I'll end up just reverting to the coals and panels and things (laughs) mm, rather than manoeuvring it into the middle of the bag. But um, uh, what else was I going to say?
0: In terms of the the pump and the hand pump, or the electric pump and the hand pump, Mm -hmm. is there a big difference? Because I see a lot of guys using the hand pump.
2: I've never seen that. I think the hand pump only works to a certain size of bag yeah oh, okay
0: um, yeah that'd be it
2: and as well if there's any leaks or tears in the mm. bag the hand pump yeah. automatically right, fails yeah. like whereas yeah. the pump will just it will cycle on and off
0: right so that that pump will keep keep um the yeah. vacuum going so the idea, to, gotcha. okay
1: like a, uh, you can get them you can rig them up and uh, you've probably bought one with his valve kit and stuff so you can you can have it um so it will trigger as soon as it falls below a certain yep. vacuum that triggers it. My mm. one is just designed to actually, well, well you, it's better if they trigger on and off, but they vacuum pumps are designed just to be on.
2: Yeah.
1: They just stay it's on. Not,
2: it's not like a compressor pump. It's not as no. aggressive or loud it, or anything. So you can just leave it in the background.
1: Okay. It's essentially um, dead quiet. Yep. Um, the only thing I find with mine, because it stays on the whole time is it gets quite hot. And so I just yep. put a fan on it to keep it cool. Yep. Um, but that's because that's what I was going to say. Cause I didn't buy the expensive bags. I ended up buying a roll of like, um, mattress protector bags, right? like okay. from, from, from a manufacturer. And I got a roll of 10 like king size bags for 200 bucks. Um, okay, well, there's
2: a good cost seven tip,
1: but it's not as thick. Yeah. And I, I, I do find that, um, if you have sharp edges on veneers and stuff The yeah. vacuum can just rip it through yeah. Like it just pulls the, the plastic Through mm-hmm. it um, But we get probably two or three good pulls Out of um, one bag of One bag. Uh, and so far that, That's that been economical enough But it's not an end solution
2: Yeah, I think it'll take a while To get used to, I was talking to Damien Wright During the week and mm-hmm. he was explaining his technique To me and giving me some pointers On how to avoid tearing, <laughs> tearing yeah. Through the bags so he's Definitely yeah. more of an expert than I am. but um, And with the workbench, I've actually made I made a workbench in the last few weeks as well. Yeah. Um, I think I've spoken on this show before about how I'm not really one for a beautiful presentation workbench. Like mm. my woodworking benches are pretty, not shonky, but they're not like beautiful. To um, say and death. I've always found that, you know, the big workbench that I've got on wheels, that thing? Mm-hmm. I found that I actually use that as a workbench nearly as often as I use my woodworking benches yeah yeah so I made a version of that on casters it's at the right height like I although I'm not that I'm like 5'11 I like quite a tall workbench I'm exactly the same yeah all
0: all the the measurements or the the generally uh, followed measurements I'm gonna have back pain following that
2: yeah
1: absolutely I'm exactly
2: the same if it makes me tilt my back I'm like, I would much rather be standing straight at the bench, you know, if you're mm. using it to do dominoes or something like that, I want to be standing straight and have it at elbow height rather than rather than below it. Yeah, so anyway, I'm, I'm, so I've made it 20... Yeah. It's nearly a full sheet, I just sort of shrunk it slightly, it's like 2200 by 1200, Yeah. and um, butchered my old, an old desk that I had down to steal the drawers off it, and now the drawers just sort of slide in, dog holes everywhere. Uh, hold down clamps dog holes everywhere I
0: mean, I've just got this picture yeah. of just <laughs> random just
2: <laughs> drilling ah, just everywhere all. <laughs> <laughs> no thank you really good. so done with the shaper as well and, and they've turned out really well um, it took a bit longer obviously than doing it on CNC but um, yeah so that'll be perfect for veneering and I'm actually considering making another one and sort of reactivating a corner of my workshop that I don't really use that often mm.
0: so yeah with the What you've been saying about, from a cabinetry perspective, going to um, more um, substrates that are Mm -hmm. stable. Mm -hmm. You're moving away from traditional woodworking, and and Joey.
2: Uh, No, it would still. It's just in the areas where I need a super stable panel, Mm. and I want to control the movement of the panel. So if you take, for example, that tambour door unit. Yeah there's two backs to it. So there's an inset back, which just is a floating panel and non-structural. And um, that's just a typical veneer panel. Whereas the panel that mounts, that has the um, French cleat recessed into the back of it, that's perpendicular to the fins. Mm. So if I made that out of solid timber, it's most likely, depending on the time of year, but it's most likely going to contract a little bit. Mm. And then the fins that are going perpendicular to it, um, which are parallel grain direction to the long direction, um, you get that clash. So Mm -hmm. I'm ending up having to make that back panel in veneered, like shop-sawn veneers, and then fake a bit of end grain veneer onto it as well to try to get it to look like real timber.
1: Are you gonna see that back
2: panel? You're gonna see the end of it, Yeah. The end Mm -hmm. of it. Yeah, so I'm gonna just lop off an off cut of the end grain and epoxy it on. Wow. And then do the veneer over the top of that.
1: Do you that even goes? need to veneer it? Hmm? Do you need to veneer the face? Just curious. Yeah, curious. if you're not, if there's a fake back on the piece, oh, you the see it on,
2: yeah, you see it on on. So there's two tambour cabinets that I'm doing one. Oh, you see. don't, you don't see the end of the back panel on the other one. It's sort of it extends and it, it yeah, you you, okay. you will see it. So yeah, okay, right, yeah. So it's again just doing the thing that I don't know eight years ago when I started woodworking, I would have been like, ah, it'll be all right. I'll just make it out of solid timber. And now I'm like, if I'm going to do things properly, I need to make it quicker. Um, so using a vacuum press as opposed to calls and every single clamp in my workshop makes sense. Do
1: you want to, do you want to talk about the shaper a little bit? Because I'm curious, yeah. um, just I saw, yeah, on your Instagram when you had the picture of where you were asked so far with the timber unit. Yep. And presumably you use the shaper to cut the grooves. Uh, this you know what do you call them? Yeah, grooves for the the door to slide in and uh, some of the other joinery on it. Yeah. Um, I'm curious if you think, like, because uh, I don't know what it costs. I don't know what the uh, shaper costs, and obviously I, I feel like it must be slower. Well, I don't know what it's slower than. But if I were to have if you were to have a CNC, yep. it would have to be full-size CNC to take on that job, I think. Yep. Um, otherwise, I don't like the idea of what they call tiling, where you have like maybe a one-point-two by one-point-two CNC, and you've yeah, got to like stick something out of it. Yeah. And then how the hell like there's so much? It's so dicey to try and get that piece moved and get it all aligned. It seems awful. Yeah. So obviously, the outlay for a full-size CNC is fairly large even on the lower scale ones um but when it's working they're pretty quick once you've got the program set up yep Yep. Um, so the reason
2: the cost difference is obviously one thing like i don't really have 30 grand to sink into yeah or even i don't know what you can get a kit for now you
1: could probably get a kit for 10
2: 10. okay so when i bought the shaper landed in australia it cost me about memory about three grand
1: right um, you got a, a very early version right yeah it's exactly
2: the same as the model that they, yeah. they still make but so none of the components have changed they just upgrade the um, firmware on it all the time so when I turn it on to use it in the workshop it'll detect the firmware so despite the fact that mine's three years old or whatever it's exactly the same as one that's coming out of their um, manufacturer line today so yeah
1: yep.
2: um. The real benefit that I found with it, so originally I was just going to do the tambour slot. Mm -hmm. The thinking being that um, because I'm obviously still waiting for the plywood to arrive, I don't have the final thickness of the tundra I'm going to cut on the tambour doors. Mm -hmm. So I can start working. So I drop the file on, you reference, uh, you get an X E zero point on it, you drop the CAD file on, and once your tape is there, that's you. So I can leave it taped do all right. the cutouts, so I did the cutouts for the domino, the back come panel back. and the tambours um, and then yeah, set it aside wait for the plywood to arrive and then come back and, and just creep up to get the perfect fit on it, so cut the tongues That's, and then go back and sort of increase it by 0.1 of a mil or whatever so,
1: To me that sounds more beneficial actually than a CNC in that um, if you were to do do that process and, and take it off the CNC and then mm-hmm. do some other work and then try and get it back on there Yeah, like even if it's two weeks later and you've had to use the CNC for something else yep. um, it's almost impossible to reference yeah. it back where yeah. it was
2: Jim from like Butter was actually asking me when he saw my post Yeah, um, mm. whether that was possible and then I said to him as long as you leave the tape on and then the more I thought mm. about it actually when you take the tape off you can always re-reference your XY touch off so if you've got a 90-degree corner, so the back corner of the cabinet okay. where I use my insertion a point, constant. Yeah. I can put tape down again and drop the file again, and it'll end up in the same spot. Okay. All right. So it's It's pretty remarkable, and I know I, I know I go on and on about it, but I just find <laughs> that I have so much use for that.
1: Um, yeah, my only concern about leaving the tape on, because I would be in that same position, like at the moment, I would be like, oh, I'm stuck for a couple of weeks, so I'll just leave yep. the stuff in the corner. Yep. But when I take the tape off for three weeks, I'm going to have these big stripes over my board where the timbers change colour.
2: So the residue on the tape, I found that it's probably about two months before it starts to really discolour the timber.
1: Oh, okay. I was, actually, I was actually thinking it would be the, the sun... Um, the um, timber would change that is exposed. It would darken up or something around. I tend
2: to leave it wrapped in a blanket. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just to yeah. make sure. Nice and cozy yeah. and warm over yeah. winter. Nice cooking. and cozy and warm. Got <laughs> yeah. <Better treated> right. <laughs> <was> um, a treated it right. Yeah. And then, other tech? oh, I had some fun issues with uh, Festool in the past few weeks as well. Which mm-hmm. have been yeah. good. What's that? Yeah. Great. So, uh, yeah so they're re- really good with their customer care. um so i had an old festival midi vac that i bought like seven eight years ago and it's been brilliant like it's a little compact one no footprint absolutely brilliant and then the um the motor and turbine burnt out in it yeah great so i came back to the to my desk and saw um smoke coming from the vac and (laughs) and i opened it up and i'm like oh shit and uh, anyway, I've I got a quote to repair, or just to replace, sorry, this was just to supply me with the motor. 467 bucks.
1: And what, a new vac as what? Well, 600?
2: the new version is 900 oh, yeah, God.
1: Well, it's and not like, too bad.
2: 467 bucks. Well, oh, I guess you still got installed it as and well. And I'd literally just bought the, I'd had my eyes on one of the anti-static hoses for years. <laughs> okay. And I'm like... I'm just going to get one because I, I need it now. I, I keep I find that the hoses of the, the, a lot of vacs just damage edges. Yep. So the anti-static one, not only being anti-static, but it has smooth edges and it doesn't kink mm. so much. Mm. So I bought one of those to fit that vac. The fitting is unique to that age of vacuum. Oh my God. And then two weeks later, my, uh, my motor burns out and I'm like, $460. Now nah, you've this got to. <laughs> $300 hose. I'm screwed. I'm locked in. So anyway, I ended up going on eBay.
1: You can but, buy several Ryobi Vex for yeah. that.
2: <laughs> I know but I'm locked like I'm no, stupidly. No, it's yeah, it, you yeah. know it's that whole yeah. Apple thing. I'm locked in yeah. all the the adapters for my router, for my sander, yeah. everything is it's unfortunately fast.
1: Yeah. So yeah. anyway,
2: bought a motor that is exactly the same motor. Oh yeah. From the same factory. Um, from a reseller in Lithuania for 130 bucks delivered to Australia <laughs> and it took me 10 minutes to fix it today really really so oh bucks. it's exactly it's got exactly really? the same factory stamp on it it's the How same you find but it's
0: not used it? in that eBay. but it's not used in that application
2: uh, it is well it's a, it's Dommel is the brand of motor and they're used in like steel and lots of different power tools and and VACs and things. Well, that's what I'm wondering,
0: if that that motor is not a a Festool motor, it's just a universal motor. Festool
2: don't make the motors now. Yeah. They buy. It's like
0: the way Apple buys Samsung parts. Or, Or it's like buying a 125cc motor that yeah. motor is used in so many different things yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah yeah interesting so um so yeah that was that was fun um
1: yeah i just had my capex blow up my 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 mitre saw just blew up the first day of lockdown so that's great you're kidding no so well, i got i thought it was the brushes and because yeah. sparks are flying out and i th- thought that's probably not great and then it didn't want to cut a piece of wood It sounded like a bloody i don't know broken engine um <laughs> well brian knows a guy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, i've got my um, contact in this year <laughs> yeah, took it apart the brushes were only kind of half used um so we are thinking that it is I forget what the word is now uh, like the main shaft and the electric motors it's got a short in it what um, right. whatever they call it
0: it's the So C. I know what you're talking about
1: Yeah um so i doubt I, I think it's pretty doubtful that for an engine that size or motor that size they're going to sell that part it's going to be a, like you brian it's going to be a whole motor or a whole top half of that saw probably yeah and it's you know it's what a two and a half thousand dollar buddy saw so
2: still warranted <sighs> I mean, or not no
1: it's, no it's it's uh done it's done some work it's probably seven years old yeah
0: is it quite accurate
1: um, no, I don't like them, um, actually. I'm just
0: thinking with your with your hammer. What you would? What, what do you use yeah. your drop saw for? Why do you just? Get uh, I use it quite of often
1: for docking things to length. Um, and I, I I need it. Like there's times when it's just just chop stuff in half saw, and there's times where it has to be exactly right because I need this crazy compound angle, mm. which I could do all of those with the sliding table saw. Um, but for small parts like if you're doing collection moulds moulding on panel doors and stuff you just want a drop saw you just, be mm-hmm. a, you just want to be able, be able to swing it from one side to the other and tilt it um, that's the I think the only problem with my hammer saw is it doesn't tilt both ways if it tilted yeah. both ways I could probably just about get rid of having a drop saw mm. do any timber um, saws
2: tilt both ways?
1: yeah, um, yeah. they're expensive I know mm. Um actually I was just watching is it Nathan Day? He just right. got the new Felder Kappa five forty or something like that. And it that is like cheap. <laughs> it's fully electric, fully CNC'd oh. and it's a five fifty mil blade on it and holy moly. He can he can cut two hundred mil deep. And um it's got yeah, double tilting everything. Yeah.
0: So not a table saw guy yet. Yeah. Why does that make a difference? tilting both ways
1: um, you can't if you're doing it makes it very hard sometimes to do well certainly compound cuts um, I'm trying to think of a specific application where
0: because my mitosaur yeah. can rotate in two directions but one of those yeah. only rota- only moves in one direction so oh, okay. y- you know you can with the handle you can swivel yeah.
1: Forty-five mm-hmm. both ways. But then
0: the blade, the tilt only the goes tilt one way. Tilt only goes one way. Yep. So surely the same logic applies into a table
1: saw. Uh, well, let's see. If you were doing, um, if you're trying to put Scotia cut, uh, like what the Americans call it, crown molding, um, and your drop saw only tilts one way, um, it's you can't really complete the cut. You have to be able to tilt it both ways because. You can't just turn the piece of timber over. It's got, you have to cut. Flat. You have to cut your moulding upside down and back to front when you're doing scotches, and so um, you have to be able to tilt both ways. With a sliding table saw, you're, if you're using the table saw sled, which you most likely would be, um, the blade's only going to tilt up. You know, tilt one way relative to that table saw. Uh, to the sorry, to the sled. Which can generally
0: go both ways.
1: Well, the sled can go backwards and forwards, but if the blade's only tilting to the right, um, it's relative to how the the fence is set up on your slider – you can't just turn your piece around and use the same tilt. You'd have to turn your piece around and turn it upside down. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah. that's, that causes a whole lot of problems because you're not reference, referencing the same edge off the fence anymore. Yeah, okay. I'm and if you. it's a funny shaped piece of wood, it, it's just a pain in the butt. Mm. If you can just tilt the saw back over the other way and keep it exactly where it is on the fence, um, yeah. you just save yourself a lot of time and effort. Yeah. Correct. But yeah, you, there are older versions that do that, That it has been around for quite a while, but, um, they're always a step up a price
2: Mm -hmm. Mm. Um, and then the follow up bit to my vacuum story was after it burnt out I was looking for advice on Instagram so I posted it and loads of people helped out with advice like where I could look for parts and um, a Melbourne based boat builder Nick Atkins uh, said do you want to borrow my vac until yours is fixed because he's obviously shut down I saw that post and he just came and (laughs) dropped a I festival vac run. I'm like, oh, was awesome. an absolute legend. And two days later, I was riding some plywood. I <laughs> know. Oh, <laughs> and I left the workshop to go to the bathroom. And as I was going out the door, and closing the door behind me, I smelt burning plastic. Oh, God. I'm like, what the hell is that? And there was smoke coming from the router. And I thought, well oh, I've burned the motor out in the router. And then I looked down the hose and the smoke was coming from the hose.
1: <laughs> and I opened
2: up the vacuum and got greeted by flames. Oh, wow. Jeez. Yeah. So that was awesome. Was um, it the dust had caught fire or the engine? I don't know water? whether it had hit a bit of metal or something or Did a it staple good? or something had sparked.
0: Um, the va- the vacuum's yeah,
2: okay though, right? It melted a couple of parts in it. So again, festival were great. And I ended up having to order the parts from the UK. <laughs> so, yeah, this could be the festival bashing episode. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just felt so bad. Like, this really kind guy who doesn't know me, he just comes around and lends me a vacuum. And then two days later, I'm sending him photos going, um. <laughs> This is probably the last time you're going to lend me a vacuum. Yeah. <laughs> so, thanks. To, big shout out to Nick. And, um, yeah, I think we've got to get him on the show. Be pretty yeah. pretty cool to talk to a boat builder. Yeah, yeah absolutely. What type of boats does he do? Everything. Kayaks, rowboats, um, bigger restoration projects. Uh, his grandfather was a boat builder and he sort of carried it on and he's got an amazing workshop. I've only seen photos of it, but amazing workshop in the Docklands in Melbourne. So it was obviously oh. in previously quite an industrial part of the city, which is now being swallowed by apartment buildings. And yeah. he's still got this little... Well, not little shed, big massive shed right at the end, in the middle of the city. So, yeah, wow. we definitely have to get them on and shut boats.
0: There's, sure. there's something about boat builders. They always seem to have such an intimate understanding of wood, in particular wood movements, far more than us furniture makers will, will, will know. They just seem to, and I don't know if it's because of the, the way that they build the boats and they need to have that knowledge, but a boat builder Knows what he can he can look at a piece of timber and say this wood this board is going to expand half a mil <laughs> just by they, they've got that level of, of understanding so we'll, yeah, we'll put him, we'll put them to the test
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if it's just because they um, assume that everything's going to get soaking wet and everything's going You'd to expand to, at yeah. some point and um, so just assume everything's going to be ten percent bigger than it is now <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I want I
2: really want to make a kayak that's my oh, yeah. so hopefully Nick can can help me out with that mm. he runs yeah. classes as well but obviously during oh, okay. COVID they're all locked down
0: talking about yes. classes can I just say after our episode last week um, with old Ross who had done mm-hmm. a number of classes it seems mm. to be a common thread in the people that we interview they go yeah, to the Burn Chandleys the whoever and get classes done it's such yeah. a great idea. I've, I've never done it. But just from hearing all these people, for all the, the, the new woodworkers out there listening, get in touch with your, your local... Well, actually, no, I lie. I have done, I've done two workshops uh, with a, uh, a local... Uh,
1: that's right, yeah. ...which
0: studio just up the road. Get in touch and, and that's a great way to learn. And all the, yeah. clearly, all the guys that are making it go that route
2: yeah I think there's a lot of sort of even mid level like I'd love to do one of burns chair making courses It's not something that I'm have any experience in, really, like traditional chair making so and I know um do you know phil Phil Morley in America yeah Texas? yeah yeah, mm. yeah same thing. you get people traveling mm. all over the states to go to his classes and yeah mid level not not beginner woodworkers, so I think it's something that really everyone can benefit from.
1: I agree and I've pro- I don't know that I've had a really staunch stance on it before but I've always I think felt, I've always been resistant to the idea of taking someone else's class and mm. I, I, it's probably like some random ego thing but I think recently, probably in the last year, I've really relaxed about and, or, yeah, I, I've probably relaxed the whole you know, I I don't have to I don't have to be the best and i can i can freely admit that i'm not the best woodworker in the world and i don't have to prove anything i suppose so Mm -hmm. i I feel like that's opened my point of view up a bit more to um being more acceptable to taking someone's class and just just going with the flow and enjoying it rather than taking it i I think in the past i'd always thought if i take this class i'm going to have to not show that I don't know what I'm doing or mm. something, but like that's the whole point of being at the class. Like it's <laughs> yeah. completely counterintuitive, and I think it, as an established woodworker, I, I had previously felt like I can't show, I can't show stuff that I don't know. You mm. know, it's just some sure. weird ego yes. that I think, mm. just over time and maturity, you just kind of let that slide off and be like, I'm just I just want to have some fun with some people who are interested in the same stuff, and if I come out learning something good nice. you know, otherwise i just had fun you
0: know the class that i took and this is this is for me this is why i would want to do the classes again i mean obviously you're going to be learning a lot of things and as someone who's still relatively inexperienced i would be learning a lot but in this class that i did i'd always had a problem with the white wood glue that i was using it was the sillies acrid here never yeah. fully i think we talked about this, never fully drying and I've never found that information online. I've never been able to find out why that particular white wood glue would never go properly hard. And the, um, the guy taking the class said, yeah, well, you need to use yellow wood glue. That's got the resins or whatever it is, so your yes. your tight bond. That dries hard like that's hard and brittle. So that's how you end up with a tabletop without these slight ridges over the glue lines where the glue's softened and, and mm. moved. you need to use on. And for me, the hundreds of dollars that I spent for that class to learn that, <laughs> completely <laughs> worth it.
1: <laughs> I, I, I would like to push back against that, but um, I agree and disagree type one
0: three is is more on the white side and it still works so maybe maybe it was just the sally's aquit here
1: i don't know i right. see sally's awkward here is like being my go-to forever um or something like that um now i buy like whatever i can get in the same kind of category i just buy like a 20 a 30 liter bucket of it and it just lasts however long it lasts um when I first started, I started buying Type Bond 2 because that's what all the, everyone else on YouTube had. And I thought oh, i better buy that. And it's good glue, but it's really expensive for what it is. Um, and you can't, if I could buy it by the drum, maybe I might get it. But um, so then I changed to like a Sally's Acquid Hair white PVA. And sometimes I notice the ridges. Mm. I think I want to say that I got the. The what do you, what do we call it yeah like a glue bump something like that yeah. I I feel like I noticed it on and when I was using type bond as well but it does machine nicer it definitely is a harder finish um, it's a better color depending on what timber species you're using the type bond has a, a yeah a more amber color I, I think which shows up less not that you should have a, used, the, yeah glue gap um but yeah i think um i've had cases where it's it's both ways and i've had cases where the pva just goes perfect you you know feel it um and then there's cases where you're like okay that's moved over the overnight i can definitely feel something's something's happened there but so yeah i i I don't know if it's uh, something that i'm doing differently or um Mm. Yeah, what climate? To do with climate, the, climate. Yeah, I mean, I think it could be. Yeah,
2: yeah. I'm, I still think that working in the tropics is like a. It's a dark art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, yeah that's
0: true. I'm gently caressing the table leg next to me that I'm sitting at, and uh, I can feel that 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 bump. And yeah. this this table that I'm on, it was the last table that I used the white PVA. Yeah, and admittedly, the joinery is not not. Crash hot in some areas, but I can still feel those those lumps that, with yeah, a tight bond, it dries like quote unquote glass, and then you sand it, and that's it. You never see yeah. it again. Yeah. Mm.
2: You're gonna talk us through your uh, Bluetooth speaker. Yeah. So actually, do we have cool man.
0: Cheers, and I and I want to do a bit of a plug on it as well, because I put out a YouTube video yesterday. Do you know how Whoa-hoo. exciting it was to be able to put <laughs> yeah. out a video? It was. It was actually really. It it brought back all those feelings of putting out videos. Because it's been months, months since yeah, I put out a yeah. video. And a lot of the comments, and this is this is just a bit of a shout out to the people who left comments. I had people commenting, he's back. So good to see <laughs> yeah. you. And yeah. because I'm still very, very low down on the chain, I didn't expect that. So it was such a nice surprise. It's pretty nice. Yeah.
1: To see people
0: saying that, Yeah. Yeah, so that's that was a, a Bluetooth speaker. It's one of those projects that I've just always wanted to do. You can pick up these Bluetooth amps uh, from from China. $30. This, I, do, I don't know how much you guys know about hi-fi equipment, but this can put out two channels at 50 watts and a sub-channel at 100 watts RMS. That is a... That's a pretty...
1: It's a beefy amp. It's a
0: beefy amp. And it's a tiny yeah. little thing. I mean, I don't know what the quality is like. I, I'm not driving particularly high-quality speakers. But for that application, they're perfect. And, yeah, it was just... How, a, mu- how much did you say it cost, Rob? The amp was $30. 30 bucks. Yeah. it is crazy. <laughs> the, the speakers all up, they were, I think, $100. So it was just a really nice, low-cost project. Um, the only thing... That I, uh, that I really want to talk to you guys about, and this is something that we're gonna to have to see going forward. That front panel mm. is is sitting within four mitered corners, yeah. and oh, there's yeah. gonna be a little bit of expansion contraction. Now, my logic behind it is I've cut these gigantic holes out for the speakers to go through, so there's not actually gonna be that much uh, solid mass yeah, moving, yeah. Mm, yeah. but I'm, I'm not sure how that's gonna go. I've also I don't know if you picked made up out picture. of like laminated yeah like laminated timber it's it's mobile. Oh, yeah. so it's it's pretty it's that store-bought stuff so it's going to be pretty um stable at this point it's also encased in a in a in a, an epoxy yeah. so
1: and that's stopping anything from moving. So. Well, or is it?
0: Or is it going to yeah. crack it? You know, if the if the, that uh, panel shrinks,
1: well, who knows what? If it, it wants to shrink, yeah.
0: Then I'm going to be stuffed.
1: I don't know if the mobile would move much. Does it? I mean, well, I, uh, I'm so never again, really the
2: fact you're in Queensland and it's huge. Yeah. Something's pretty unlikely to shrink, right? Yeah, Ex- Expanding,
0: the, the, especially considering I've made this in the dry of winter. So in... A couple of months time, I'm going to hear an explosion in the kitchen as the thing expands and just <laughs> destroys itself.
1: I don't think it's big enough to make that much movement. I yeah. mean, the panel is maybe even if it was solid, and you're looking at maybe what
2: 200 mil. Yeah, 200 cross? mil. So you do your and calcs then the, on. And the,
1: the movement on that is, is going to be like half a mil or something. Yeah. Total it's, total movement. It's just
0: because it's it's 25 mil thick, so it is slightly thicker than your yeah. What I'm used to. But I'm I'm sure it'll be fine. It goes back to what you were saying earlier, Brian, about sort of throwing caution to the wind. And Mm. you'll probably be all right most of the time. But yeah, other than that, it was a really cool project. And I've had some good comments about it. This might be something that I'll look into perfecting and selling. I've had a couple of people who are interested in them, going into price with the people it, it's really hard to compete. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you can't compete. Yeah. You've just got to say it's going to be more expensive. <laughs> yeah, you, you
0: can pick <laughs> the you can pick the drivers. You can pick the color yeah. of the LED. All of those. So you can you can get involved in that. But really, I'm, I I can't beat any any commercial
1: stuff. I think um, it was a really nice video. I don't know why it really appealed to me. Uh, particularly, I'm not sure if, if you thought about doing anything differently because I can't pick out what it was. But I felt like it flowed. Really well, and I just kind of kept watching it, which was cool. Um, I'm so happy you so. said that. Good because
0: <laughs> because I did. I went in with this with a very different mindset to what I normally do. No clip could be longer than three seconds. That was the rule. Yeah. Exactly. So the clips were either one, two, or three seconds. There were a couple of areas where they were a bit longer, but it was only because it was to incorporate a, a particular moment that I wanted. Yeah. But so the idea idea was to have that quick change.
1: Brought to, so lots of shooting. Yeah,
0: but it, you, you bring it down, you you sh- you, you really mm. bring all that footage down and it keeps it moving. And that's yeah. I think that could be what you're talking about. The other thing, and I was very nervous about this, was bringing back music because
1: oh, yeah, right.
0: people don't want music. The guys oh. like uh, Neil Pask, they've all stopped doing music because people tend to get they get pretty bashed if you if you bring in music because that's your personal music and you don't want to listen to it yeah. but if you if you've just said that you didn't notice it I've used it right yeah I, exactly I've used it to drive a tone not a, a preference in my music style
1: to be honest if the, if there's going to be a video where you add music it's going to be on top of a, a speaker, speaker build like it makes complete sense true. to have to have something in it it just makes logic even if uh, you never do it again like that that makes sense for that one yeah and then the last thing um, I did
0: was just try and bring, and this has been a constant thing, just try and bring more character in. So instead mm-hmm. of, like, in one point, I, I walked into the mitosaur station and, and yeah. just about broke my hip bone, <laughs> yeah. leaving that stuff in.
1: I think that was absolutely perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, I, yeah, I'm so I'm,
0: stoked you said that. I'm so stoked you picked up on that.
1: Yeah, I'm um, filming this thing I'm making as well. Um, and. I've decided to go about it in a somewhat different way. Um, Mainly I'm I'm just not filming a bunch of stuff because I I have, I've done an intro. I usually film an intro before I start a a video and then I might use some of that or I'll at least use it as a reference for when I need to actually, when I finish the piece and I can go back to see what I was thinking when I started the piece and then kind of, Maybe I'll use it. Maybe I'll just take an idea from that intro and then film a new one. Um, but I said in, that, in the original intro that I've filmed that, you know, I, everyone knows what it looks like when you dress up a piece of wood. So you're not going to see any of that. I'm just going to film for a change the bits that maybe matter. And even some of the stuff I've filmed, I'll probably just not even put in the video because I feel like it's still a bit too, um, like everyone knows what this looks like sanding you know, it, gratuitous Thickness yeah. Yeah.
2: Thickness or so and, yeah it's
1: just going to be like now i've done this and now i've done this yep. and maybe i'll talk about it and i'm not sure if i'm going to do lots more talkies because that means longer clips and after hearing you say that i really did flow better but if I, if you want to explain something i feel like you've got to have some talkie clips which are longer than
0: Oh, but there it's just putting b-roll over it
1: so yeah if you do have, and i'm terrible at that though i'm just i just face and talking <laughs> yeah. which is probably shit but that's that's the
0: progression that's that's the progression yeah. of what people are expecting these days yeah so there's a, a, um, a youtuber mark rober i'm sure yeah. you guys have heard of him
1: i wonder who that is
0: <laughs> i i i would i watched some of his videos went into editing finished okay. that session watched more of his videos to, to try and understand that flow the
1: flow yeah
0: because there's a lot of talking in his videos but you never sit mm. there and go oh this is it's boring. all b-roll eh? yeah
1: and, and he makes the b-roll interesting which is a good point but mm. mm. anyway luckily for me this video i'm doing i will take my sweet time and try and do a good job of it and god now i've said it now i've said i'm gonna do a good job of it <laughs> well
0: <laughs> for all that you've you've said the nice things and I appreciate it. I, absolutely, I 100% do. The video on my app says, looking good. This video is, is performing as usual. So. Uh, <laughs> I
1: thought it looked like it had a bunch of views on it. I thought it uh, looked like that it was doing a good. A
0: ton of views. Uh, it's, it's up to 1,700 now after, uh, what's, 24, 36 hours, which is it's pretty normal. And now it will taper off. This is where okay. it's either going to take off <laughs> if, if, if it, if it does Coming
1: work. to land, <laughs> or
0: it's just gonna peter out, and then that was it. Right. We had fun. The show's
1: uh, over. Yeah, I my only kind of tweak, because I thought, yeah, the LED lights was awesome. But I think they needed to be rotated 90 degrees somehow and have them facing out through the epoxy.
0: Which, which would have made sense if I didn't make the, the little boxes for the, the mid-range speakers. You got no room. I, I, didn't, <laughs> I didn't think about that. I made the boxes. Right. i are like, Shit, where am I going to put the LED lights? Luckily, I could squeeze them down through that gap and put them on the side. Yeah. But yeah, you're Otherwise, right. Otherwise, I needed to get like a bit of aluminum uh, 90 degree.
1: Yeah, maybe. right
0: angle. Okay screw that in
1: otherwise i think maybe the gap could have been bigger and you would have had more of a glow like it almost becomes like a night light or a mood light while you're listening to music
0: which Um, yes at the end i I mentioned that option i I need that what i also needed to do was on that front panel put a big chamfer on the inside so when you're looking Mm -hmm. at the front you still see the thin the thin line Mm -hmm. but there's more access for that light yeah, to come absolutely. yeah Yeah, and this is all the stuff that I've worked out now so if I did make another yeah. one I'd, I'd do it properly yeah man
1: awesome
0: very good cool all right well I reckon we'll leave it there so everyone listening thanks very much uh, if you did enjoy the episode please go ahead and give it a rating on iTunes it really does help us out the shop Store podcast is available on most podcasting apps Brian and Joey thanks again for hanging out and uh, we'll see you all next week.
1: Okay, see ya. Cheers, guys. Why
0: did I say next week? We've never done that. <laughs>